that's the power of of what I'm trying to do with uh, this movement of understanding that this is not about personal choice. Uh, this is a global um, issue where women are uh, are subject to 10.9 trillion dollars of unpaid labor a year. And that's how our society has been built. And that's unsustainable to build a society on the backs of women's unpaid labor. Uh, lists alone don't work, they just don't. Um, they create scorekeeping, they um, create reminders for you. Uh, you're the default parent, uh, the default parent. So um, they don't work. But what, what does work is systems. And um, that's really what fair play is all about. It's about how do you create a system so that finally you can trust that somebody's doing something with accountability. Um, with accountability and trust, that you're not sitting there reminding them, so you're not worried about whether they're gonna do what they say they're gonna do. Welcome to the Mother Honestly podcast. This is your host, Blessing Adesio, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly. On this show, we interview ambitious women that are thriving in and beyond motherhood. Expect honest and real conversations that will encourage and inspire you to take actions on your dreams. Hello, thank you so much for joining the Mother Honestly podcast. My name is Kristen Hall. I'm the COO of Mother Honestly, and I'm so excited to have Eve Brodsky joining me today. We are coming to you live from Motor City Woman Studios. And Eve is a New York Times bestselling author who published the book Fair Play, a game-changing solution for when you have too much to do and more life to live where she uses her years of her law school experience from Harvard training and years of organizational management experience to create a gamified life management system to help couples rebalance all of the work it takes to run a home. And so I'm so excited to have Eve join me on the podcast today. If you'd be so kind and share a little bit more about yourself with our listeners. Thank you for having me. I love your community. I just want to say that first. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I, my name is Eve, um, and I think it's just uh, some good context to tell everybody where this book originated from because it reminds me a lot of sort of where we are today in a um, a time where it feels like, especially I think for women, that the space-time continuum is collapsing on all of us. Um, but Fair Play really started as a um, a curiosity journey after my husband sent me a text. Um, eight years ago that said, um, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And um, you can sort of picture that the scene. Um, so I'm getting this, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries text. Let's just picture the scene. I had a diaper bag and a breast pump on the passenger seat of my car. I had gifts for a newborn baby to return in the back seat of my car. Um, I had quote unquote opted out of the traditional workforce of a corporate job. Um, and I put opted out in quotes because I've subsequently learned that I was pushed out and I don't want that to happen to anybody else. Um, so I'd started my own firm because uh, I'm a lawyer and I'm a mediator by trade. So I had a client contract on my lap um, and I was marking it up as I was racing to get my older son, Zach, who was three at the time from his toddler transition program, which in America lasts like five minutes since we don't really value two working parents. Um, all the while, every time I would stop at a traffic light, Kristen and I had uh, 
a pen that was sort of stabbing me in the vagina. Um, so yeah, that, that, that day. And then I, on top of all that, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. So I pull over, uh, which you don't do lightly in LA. I'm from New York, but I was, you know, I'm living in LA now. So we don't pull over lightly, uh, cause of traffic until, unless things are bad, but I had to pull over even though I was going to be late to pick up Zach because, um, for some reason that text just unleashed a flood of tears, um, where I was thinking to myself, you know, if my marriage is going to end, <laughs> I really thought it would be over something more dramatic, like my, my like an affair with an NFL player, right? Or something like that. Oh, um, yeah. Or uh, some big fight in the Caribbean where I'm tan and my hair is blowing in the wind. Um, not something so cliche, uh, off-season blueberries. But what I was really thinking was, and I think this is important for your listeners, um, that I used to be able to manage employee teams. And now I can't even manage a grocery list because I'm so overwhelmed with all the household and domestic tasks for my family where I had become um, the default for those, or as I call in fair play, the she fault for those. Um, and it wasn't the career marriage combo I thought I was going to have, Kristen. And so, um, you know, I'm a product of a single mother. Uh, I vowed from age seven when I helped her with her utility bills. I remember the chemical bank checkbook that I would help her write her checks for her bills so she wouldn't be late and we wouldn't get eviction notices. Um, from seven years wow. old, I had vowed that I would have an equal partner in life. And on top of that, I'm a Harvard-trained mediator and lawyer. I'm actually trained to use my voice and communicate. So I figured if this was happening to me, it was probably happening to other women. And I guess the good news for fair play, but the terrible news for society was that it's happening um, everywhere, as we know now um, from the 101 articles that have been written since we went on lockdown. And I think what I love most about your book is it really kind of before lockdown or that, it really addressed something that was kind of, I think for a lot of us, we knew what was going on, but it was still one of those things that we didn't necessarily talk about. Oh, my husband's doing this, or my partner's doing this, or I'm managing this. I'll just... I'll just take this burden quietly. I'll just continue to kind of go along with that flow. And I think you had really hit on a couple of really key points on, you know, for a lot of parents or a lot of spouses or that they didn't, they didn't know where to begin to seek that balance. And you kind of attempt to put together a system in a way for them to begin to seek out balance, to seek out more equal roles and responsibilities within the household and kind of re-engage that peace system when, you know, BC before kids before we kind of enter down into that so what do you recommend for parents as they're struggling or spouses or individuals in trying to have these conversations because they're tough they are very tough uh, so let's talk about that but I agree with you I think uh, thank you for saying that there's a lot of power for the status quo if we believe that these are private issues my favorite sociologist um, a man named C. Wright Mills from the early uh, early 20th century said um, private lives are really public issues, right? Public troubles. Um, and I think that's the power of, of what I'm trying to do with uh, this movement of understanding that this is not about personal choice. Uh, this is a global um, issue where women are, uh, are subject to $10.9 trillion of unpaid labor a year. And that's how our society has been built. And that's unsustainable to build a society on the backs of women's unpaid labor. Um, so how do you start 
changing that. <laughs> well, um, I fundamentally believe um, I'm a mediator for highly complex families. So let's just talk about that background. Um, I work with families, Kristen, that look like the HBO show Succession. Um, you should feel bad for me because they have a lot of very intense family issues. But um, when I was thinking about this issue, um, which for me started with a spreadsheet called the Should I Do spreadsheet, um, where I had decided I was going to make a list for my husband of everything uh, I'd ever done in my life that was invisible um, to him or my kids. And it ended up being uh, sourced over nine months with um, hundreds of women I didn't even know um, who sort of, you know, sort of went viral amongst communities where um, I was getting input, input from people I didn't even know. Um, so what I would say to answer your question, the way to begin this conversation is not to, to create a list. Um, I did it for you and fair play, but um, lists alone don't work. We've been making lists for a hundred years. So after I made this giant, should I do spreadsheet, the best spreadsheet you've ever seen, because I love Excel, 98 tabs and about 2000 items of invisible work. Um, I sent it off to Seth one day after nine months with um, you know the 19 million megabyte spreadsheet with just the uh, subject line, can't wait to discuss. And um, as you can imagine, Kristen, uh, <laughs> I got the response. I sort of waited and waited for Seth to, uh, to respond in his inbox. And I just get a, uh, a monkey, you know, the sort of sad monkey that covers its eyes, that see no evil monkey. I didn't even get oh, the courtesy of the um, three monkey trio. But um, so let's just say what not to do. Let's not start where sort of where I did or um, the New York Times had a big article last week about a woman in Japan making a giant spreadsheet for her husband. Uh, lists alone don't work, they just don't. Um, they create scorekeeping, they um, create reminders for you uh, if you're the default parent. Uh, the default parent, so um, they don't work. But what what does work are systems, and um, that's really what fair play is all about. It's about how do you create a system, so that finally you can trust that somebody's doing something with accountability, um, with accountability and trust, so you're not sitting there reminding them, so you're not worried about whether they're going to do what they say they're going to do. That's the basis of relationships. But it starts, Kristen, with just a fundamental. Um, three steps of communication that I talk about in Fair Play. And step number one is to recognize that you are already communicating. So this is what I think is so sad. So many women, similar to your listeners, powerful, amazing women um, who are so powerful in other areas of their life said to me, I don't use my voice. I don't communicate about domestic life. It's just easier to keep the peace. It's just easier for me to do it all. Um, in the time it takes me to tell him what to do, I might as well do it myself in a heterosexual relationship. So many women, um, I had a powerful, beautiful, powerful conversation with the COO, a very important company. Um, and I said to her, what's her greatest problem in life? And she told me it was getting her husband to remember to take out the kitty litter, um, not, you know, run her publicly traded company. So we are all, um, we are very powerful women, but a lot of us are afraid to use our voices in this domestic realm. And that um, was a, a theme I saw in my 500 plus interviews in Fair Play. So step number one is to recognize you're already communicating. So what do I mean by that? So Kristen, will you play a game with me a little, take a little quiz? Absolutely. Okay, good. 
Um, what's your What's your partner's name, or do you have a partner? Yep, my partner's name is Jeff. Okay, so let's so let's think about the last time maybe there was a domestic argument or something got heated in your household. Um, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to read you seven of the top communication vulnerabilities that I found as a mediator happen to uh, families um, over the course of my decade of work with very highly complex families. And I wanna know, what do you think Jeff would say about you? So this is like a reverse newlywed game. Um, I'm gonna read you seven. Think about a scenario where you may have, when emotion was high, cognition was low in your household. And I wanna know what Jeff would say about you would be your, your vulnerability. I'm gonna read you seven choices. Okay. One is long-winded. Wow, 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 you're talking and no one's listening. Two, sharp command, sir. Your drill sergeant tone and delivery is not popular with the troops. Three, bad timing. You drop your grievances and requests for help into the conversation at inopportune moments. Thanks for the flowers, honey, they're beautiful, but you forgot dishwashing detergent again. Uh, four, toxic word choice. I really wasn't gonna say anything, but I hate it when you dot, dot, dot. Five, all or nothing. You never replace the toilet paper roll. You always leave the seat up. Six, dredging up the past. This is just like the last time you forgot to dot, dot, dot. Or seven, boiling over. I wasn't gonna say anything. I really tried to avoid this conversation. I didn't say anything, but now I'm really pissed. Um, so I'll read you all seven again. One, long-winded. Two, sharp commands, which is tone. Three, bad timing. Four, toxic word choice five all or nothing, six dredging up the past, or seven boiling over. What do you think Jeff would say? All or, five all or nothing. <laughs> oh, wow, all or nothing. Okay, can you give me an example? Yes, because a lot of the times, um, even this morning, it's, you know, so our air conditioning went out, it's hot in the house. I asked them to, you know, walk the dogs while I was on the podcast, because I'm like, so they're not making any noise as he's, and then I come back from a morning appointment and he hadn't walked the dogs yet, but he's putting in a mailbox. And so I was like, I'm only seeing the one thing, but not addressing everything else he's doing to help the household. Right. And so it's, I get hyper-focused, I think, on the one. Right. The one thing you asked for. Right. Okay. Well, at least yep. th thank you for being so vulnerable and, and knowing your vulnerability that quickly. Um, I think that's what I would like uh, to take pause to have our listeners do the same thing for themselves. Um, it's really helpful to learn and to have a little bit of self-awareness about how we communicate, um, especially when um, we say that we don't use our voices and we don't communicate about domestic life, because what I'm here to say is that step one is to recognize we are already communicating about domestic life. And um, a woman told me she doesn't communicate about domestic life, Kristen, and then she tells me 20 minutes later, and ironically, that she dumps wet clothes in her husband's pillow when he forgets to put them uh, <laughs> in the dryer. So, um, or this other woman who told me she doesn't communicate about domestic life. And then um, I find her, you know, she's in a COVID forum saying that if her husband dies during COVID-19, it's not because of the virus. So she's publicly threatening murder of her partner um, on a public forum, but says she hasn't communicated about domestic life. So um, I think it's really important for us to recognize we're all communicating. So that's number one. Number two is to recognize that when emotion is high, cognition is low. So if your air conditioning breaks, um, your emotion is going to be high all day. So just remember that yes. <laughs> uh, and your, cog your cognition will be low. Um, 
this weekend around our kids, you know, without any structure, um, our, my husband and I, I said to Seth, our emotion's gonna be high, our cognition's gonna be low. Um, so what do you do when that happens? Well, as a mediator, I, I like to say, please recognize that feedback in the moment is toxic. I spend 20 pages in, in Fair Play explaining that from a scientific behavioral economics, neuroscience perspective, psycholog you know, psychology perspective. I'm not just me as a mediator, but telling you that from all these disciplines, um, there's a lot of proof, right? That feedback in the moment is toxic. So if you can wait for it, which is way harder than it sounds, um, and come back to the table, um, recognize that when you can come back to the table when emotion is low, cognition is high. So that means uh, step three is coming up with a time, recognizing that communication is a practice. Um, it is just like exercise. It is just like meditation. You don't meditate once and then be calm for the rest of your life. Uh, you don't exercise once and be fit for the rest of your life. Communication is a practice and it requires that we invest in it like we're investing in toilet paper. Um, so Seth and I do that. We have a 10 minute check-in every single day, usually at night. We set a timer so that we don't go into vulnerability number one, which is long-winded. Um, and we just connect, we sit there, we say what has to happen the next day, um, what cards are each other holding, because that's the fair play system as a metaphor based on a card game. Um, and that's really, if you want to reset your life even like today, um, you can start with those three things. Recognize you're already communicating, know your vulnerability. Uh, two, um, recognize feedback in the moment is toxic and wait for it. And three is investing in a, a practice of communication, which is some version of a check-in um, every day or every at least uh, a couple times a week right now. I think that's huge. It gives listeners and women, if they haven't had the chance to read your book yet, which I highly encourage, it's a, a wonderful read, um, things that they can put together that work that, you know, it's, it's not going to be changed in a day. Some of these relationships, as you mentioned, these are things that have kind of been over time built up, built up, built up that just like you mentioned, communication is a practice and investing in it. It's going to take time to kind of change the overnight of what the roles and responsibilities are and changing that system process in your household. But I like that you address ways for the readers and the listeners to kind of break it down into bite-sized measurable chunks that are achievable. Because a lot of times I think in, you know, I'm, I'd be interested in the stories that you heard from other women, but do you find that a lot of women, they try and just attack it all at once. And then it's that overburden. It's one more thing to take care of that fear. And it kind of gets dropped down again by the wayside of, as we make these radical changes in our relationships. Absolutely. I think they are radical changes, um, but they start with such small steps. Right. And I think it requires um, understanding the consciousness of, um, of what we, we can contribute, um, which again, is not necessarily the fault of individual women, right? It's a, these are societal beliefs that we are conditioned to believe, um, but yeah. they, are, um, they are toxic. And I think it's important to understand that um, the, the beauty of starting small and recognizing that it really is, this is about a practice of communication. Nothing is perfect. There's not day, there's some days you're gonna get on that treadmill to try to work out and you may make it just five minutes, right? There's other days where you feel amazing. You can run five miles, right? It's just, 
it, that's how relationships are. And I think if we're so afraid to even start voicing things because we're afraid that our partners won't hear us or if we do ask for them to walk the dog, they won't. And what does that mean for our relationship, right? We get, we do, we do get, um, we get scared and understanding um, those bigger, those bigger questions. Um, so like I said, I like to start with those three things you can do today, which again is understand your vulnerability, um, recognize that no matter what feedback at the moment is going to be toxic. Um, it is usually toxic unless it's an emergency and your partner can't hear you. But that also means, right, that um, the step would be finding a time to check in, a time when you can know you can come back to the table and abandon the conversation. I think the worst advice we've ever been given um, as women it, and couples is never go to bed angry. Um, that's just a terrible argument <laughs> because as a mediator, I'll yeah. tell you, of course you go, go to bed angry. Um, I don't want you hashing things out for 10 hours when your emotion is high and cognition is low. Sleep on it and come back to the table in a check-in time when your emotion is low and your cognition is high. Um, write it down if you need to. Um, I do that for Seth. I write it down. This weekend, um, I wrote down a lot of things. When I finally came to our check-in, Kristen, I realized I didn't even know what half of them meant. One time in our check-in time, I wrote yellow rag in all caps. I came back to our check-in for Seth and I had no idea what yellow rag meant, but I, it was in all caps. So at the time I was really freaking angry about it. Um, so that's really what this is about. It's about trying to understand our role. Um, but I think the big finding of fair play is important because it is some consciousness raising that things really can't change until we recognize sort of the, the the, the sort of this number that society has done on us. And I think for everybody out there who feels frustrated about these issues or that they're sick of having to remind their partner to do basic things in their home and why are they, it, they are the default or the she fault for every household and domestic task. Um, I will say that this all comes from um, a societal value, which was the chief finding of fair play of this idea that we value men's time as diamonds, Kristen. And this is really important now, especially. And we, we value and treat women's time as, as, as sand. So, so when you have a, a society where men's time is considered finite and women's time is considered infinite, um, it creates a lot of problems. And we know in the workplace that women's time is not valued the same as men's time because of all the biases around us. Um, we are not paid the same as men for the same job. Um, if you're a woman of color compared to a white man, it's about 40 cents on the dollar. Um, wow. But Krista, what I didn't recognize and what I don't think women realize is how much we, we guard men's time as diamonds and treat our own time as infinite. And that comes about in what I call toxic time messages. Um, and I unpack these more, of course, in fair play. But just for your listeners to understand that we're not going to get to a place where we can communicate and advocate um, for domestic balance, fairness, not even equality, right, but fairness, um, unless we recognize that we say things to ourselves that guard men's time, like my husband makes more money than me. He has the health insurance. Um, so his job comes first. Of course, I'm the one who picks up the call from the school when my child is sick. Um, well, that's, again, it's a terrible argument for women because a lot of times we're pushed out of the traditional workforce. Um, men make more money than us, even in the same job. So we'll be saying that for another, or 
we, cho we choose fields that are paid less. I chose philanthropy. My husband chose private equity. So Kristen, does that mean I'm responsible for the bulk of unpaid labor in my home because I chose a field that's not valued as much um, by society, even though I would say it's probably more important than private equity? Um, no, it's Absolutely. a argument for women. Um, other yeah. women said to me things like, well, I'm wired differently. I'm just a better multitasker. Women are better, you know, we're just, men have worse executive function. We're just wired differently for care. Um, that's just patently false. <laughs> I went to the top neuroscientist, one of them in America, um, who said to me, imagine Eve, um, you know, we could convince, he's talking about men, could convince half the population that they're better at wiping asses and doing dishes. How great for the other half of the population. Um, so Kristen, that was actually a day I cried. I cried that day. Um, that was the only other day besides the blueberries day. I sobbed probably, it was very embarrassing in this man's office. Um, and then finally, finally, this, this uh, last toxic time message I want to address is the one that I hear the most, which is in the time it takes me to tell him what to do. This is a hetero cisgender relationship. Um, I might as well do it myself. So I went to Dan Ariely, my good friend, one of the top behavioral economists in this country. I said, is that a good argument? And he said, that's the worst argument he's ever heard for women. Of course, it makes sense to teach, to tell um, your partner how to wipe asses and do dishes, right? I mean, otherwise it means you're doing it for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're reminding someone else to do it for the rest of your life. So um, what I'm here to tell the listeners is that all time is created equal. Nothing is really going to change until you, um, you, women, we believe that our time is also diamonds and that we just get 24 hours in a day and that we should get as much time choice over we, how we use our time as men do. Um, and that's really the core, the crux of the consciousness raising in all of us that we have to do before we can even get on to even the small tools um, that I'm talking about. Yeah, and I think it's, I always tell people when I'm doing the podcast is I'm writing furi notes furiously in the background, and I always have kind of like my quote mantra thing at the top of the house, and I'm like, oh man, I'm writing down the all times created equal, and women's time is a diamond. Yes, <laughs> And then yes. I'm going to, but it's like, it's such, you know, it, it almost to me, it's like the whole time you're going over, it's a smack in the face, and I think that's, on some of this, that it's, even the the reckoning over, you know, the experience this morning and taking a step back because I laughed about to your, the, your yellow, yellow right comment because I'm like, how many of us write that down when we're so angry and then to your point, have no idea what it means. Yeah. But we're so conditioned. And I feel even, you know, Blessing and I are very champions of, you know, being the best that you can be and the ambitious women asking for your seat at the table. We naturally still deflect ourselves and say, okay, well, you know, our time, I think that one to me is probably one of the biggest ones to kick in the teeth. Uh, yeah, the I, I told you, Krista, I started sobbing when, when this yeah. man looked at me, when I asked him, are we better multitaskers women? And he just looked at me like, wow, we really have conditioned you to believe that you're better at wiping asses and doing dishes. Right. And um, how, how all these beliefs I had, right. They, they come from nowhere, right. They come from, yeah our patriarchy or whatever you want to call it, right? I don't talk, I don't go, um, you know, that deep into sort of where this comes from because there's a hundred years of scholarship and I have a bibliography of why we have these problems. But um, in, it really is very, very deep 
um, in this lack of value of how we have set to sort of value our own time. And I think when Seth, when Seth is a great husband, but started off, um, you know, almost breaking me, right, with his request for me being his fulfiller of his smoothie needs, right? Um, I talk a lot about the book about our journey to understanding that um, many days, Kristen, you know, he had three or four hours to decompress from his long day um, to by watching Sports Center and responding to emails and sitting in the bed with his laptop in his lap, you know, marking up a PowerPoint deck where I was spending the last 12 minutes um, from like 1145 to midnight, uh, the last 12 minutes of my last 15 minutes of my day um, in service of our household. Um, yeah. And I think it required us really sitting down at first and saying in our check-ins, right, in these uh, small check-ins that we started to do, which were very profound, um, starting to say, Seth, I really, I love you, but um, I'm not going to accept and live in a relationship where um, my time is in value. Um, my time is diamonds too, um, regardless of how much money, much more money you make than me, um, regardless of whether you think I'm better, um, I'm wired differently to wipe our kids' asses or rock them to bed. No, no, I'm pushing back and saying that my time is just 24 hours too, and I deserve um, time fairness. And I think um, when we took it to that level, um, Seth started to understand that, you know, my time is, is diamonds too. Um, but, you know, it took a journey. This is a journey. This is not an overnight fix. This is just like, like we said, a practice, like meditation and exercise. It feels really good afterwards, but it, it is a hard thing to start um, because it requires our own reframing of what's happening in our households. Yep. And it's, you've hit on so many great points and I keep, you know, the one word that you just said, that I think is that you weren't going to accept and live in a relationship like that and that for so many women they're to get them to say you know you're not going to accept this you're going to advocate for yourself and for your time and that you don't have to live this way and i think that's one of the comments and the emails we get the most is especially during kind of the covid period right now is they're like well you know they're finding it harder to change or they're burning out so much quicker because you know, now the home is the forefront of everything with everyone working remote for those that can. Um, and it's bringing to light a lot of these issues where we had these escapes sometimes of going to work or going to thing or pushing it off. It's, it's in everyone's faces and they're saying, well, how do I talk to my husband about this? Or how do I talk to my partner about this? You know, I can't continue to do this. Um, but I think that word for me really thing is this, the having that open dialogue and saying, you're not going to accept this and that you need to begin to make you know, change, and then I think that we've conditioned women to be afraid of, to your points earlier, they're being, men make more money, they carry the health insurance, he's under a lot of stress, we make, not, I don't, excuses sometimes almost seems like too strong of a word in that, but we make kind of these pathways that allow the stream to continue. Absolutely, where that's we it. Need to keep, yeah. That's it. We, 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 we have to recognize that we are all um, complicit um, so Kristen, my, one of my favorite, um, not my favorite, but one of the most popular, I have t hundreds of moleskins <laughs> from 500 interviews. Um, it's like a joke. Um, I have a friend who's an organizer who helped me sort of start uh, throwing some out and keeping some, the ones that were important, because she's like, you can't live like as a hoarder. But um, <laughs> what, 
what my data was showing, um, and um, I'm a lawyer, I'm not a sociologist, but my mother is, and um, you know, and I've, I haven't, my, most of my writing in my life before Fair Play was academic writing, where I'm used to coding things and creating patterns. So one of the most, sadly, one of the biggest acronyms, I had a lot of uh, note-taking acronyms for different patterns I saw was C-I-Y-O-O. And um, that kept coming up and I kept circling it and circling it. And what that, that shorthand meant was complicit in your own oppression. And, um, and that's where a lot of us are, right? Um, that's what society does when we, when we believe that these are private lives. When we believe that we're fighting over yellow rags or beard shavings in the sink, um, that's a really good place for society to keep us, right? This is yeah. um, small details create the biggest problems, but this has nothing to do with those small details. Um, a woman said to me uh, in COVID that she was going to uh, potentially <laughs> leave her marriage because her husband stepped in the spaghetti um, and I said, well, what does that mean? She said, you know, there's spaghetti all over the floor. Her toddler was throwing it all over the floor and he walked into the kitchen to get water and he just stepped in it, um, and walked away, right. With spaghetti all over his feet. So this is not about stepping in spaghetti. This is about, um, what happens when, again, when 50% of the population's time is not valued the same as the other halves. It is a, yeah. it's a crisis in my mind. And that's why Obviously, I spent eight years devoted to writing Fair Play and researching it um, and calling it out before the pandemic. But I think it's really, really important now to recognize that um, our time is diamonds because we have to be game changers in our own lives. We have to be game changers. And yes, it sucks. Who wants to be the one? The oppressed person should not have to be the one changing the systems. But unfortunately, that's how it happens. It happens when yeah. there's a groundswell saying we're not going to live like this anymore. Um, and that's why I ultimately decided to write to women. A lot of men are reading Fair Play, which was a big, exciting finding for me. Um, but I, I ultimately chose to write to women because of too much of the CIYOO, the complicit in your own oppression, in our own oppression. Eve, you've given our listeners so many gems today to take to you know, internalize and to begin to, you know, not be complicit in their own um, oppression and that, you know, it does take a groundswell and it does take like-minded individuals coming together and saying, we will not accept this. So I, I cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast. Um, how can readers and listeners connect with you more? What's the best way um, for them to connect? Yes, well, on fairplaylife.com, there's a lot of tools and resources. Uh, you can download the cards, um, which basically is the system. The second part of the book, the first part of the book is a lot like this, right? It's consciousness raising. But the second part of the book is a system that has been tested now with thousands and thousands of couples. Um, it works, and it's the way to, um, to start getting to fairness in your home. So you can find those, the cards on fairplaylife.com and other tools. You can sign up for the newsletter, which has all the practical tools. Um, and of course you can find me on Instagram at fairplaylife, which is our um, handle for the book. And then also Eve Rodsky personally. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I have to ask, are you still triggered by, because now I think when I go to the grocery store for a little bit, I'm going to be triggered by blueberries. Yes. Do they still yes. trigger you? <laughs> Anytime anybody asks me to make a smoothie, I'm still triggered. But um, I will say that 
part of this, uh, the journey has been to be at the other side of this with somebody, um, if like, I just keep saying, if my husband can do this, uh, can play fair, then I promise you all of yours can, because we started in a place where um, all of those toxic time messages were, were on us, I will say. Yeah, and it's kudos to you for having that honest conversation, having a spouse that's also willing to, you know, acknowledge and change. I think that's, yeah. but we got to yeah. put the same parameters that we do. So for all of our listeners, if you haven't read Eve's book, please, please, please check it out. Order two copies because you need to order one for yourself and one for your partner mm-hmm. um, because we need to be doing equal work in that regard that we're both reading um, such a great book. So follow Eve on Instagram, check out the website as well. And if you haven't purchased a copy of the book, please, please do. It's one of my favorites. It has many dog ears on it <laughs> next to my bed. Um, and even today, I will tell you that I will be the first one to go out and order a second book to give to my husband instead of telling him what he should be learning to uh, give him the tools right. to which to. Yes, tell him that your author and your podcast asked him to read it with the other thousands of men who are reading it um, and giving the, t- then the testimonial. I will say the most popular testimonial for men is, uh, is encapsulated in this one DM from this man who said, um, I'm willing to accept the female anger in the beginning of your book because the system has been so damn practical for me and my partner. So I say to all the men out there, thank you for accepting female anger. Um, it's important to listen to it, um, to be an ally. Yeah. And then the system is actually really, really practical because it's all set in workplace science um, that has been proven for 50 years. So it's not just me speaking, but um, it's all based on things you could find in Harvard Biz- Business Review's um, Guide to the Best Management Workplace Practices. So the, the system is very practical, but it does require uh, listening to a little bit of uh, female anger in the beginning of the book. Well, even that, I think it's, the, we acknowledge it as female anger. No, it should just, if men did it, would we consider it male anger? <laughs> just laugh, I'm just laughing because I thought it was so funny. Um, yes, exactly. We're, we're, we're sort of subject to, to a lot of other types of anger. So I think that we're allowed to be, we're allowed to be, allowed uh, to have the, allowed, allowed to be woke, woke about our own, yes. some of these problems. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I will, our time is diamonds. If everyone is writing that down today, that is my, I'm going to have that over and over again on everything that I'm doing. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. We're so excited for you to come up on a couple different platforms that we have our virtual mother, honestly summit. Um, you're a great resource for men and women and all of us. So thank you for all the work that you're doing and stay safe, stay well and stay ambitious. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Mother Honestly podcast. If you want more relevant content for the ambitious mom, head on over to motherhonestly.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Mother Honestly. Love our podcast? We want to hear from you. Please rate and review our podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. We love growing at Mother Honestly, and your reviews help us grow. Stay safe, stay well, and always stay ambitious.